Hello and welcome to season four of the Bible and Me podcast. This is episode six of 12 in this series. So join us on this journey as we discover some incredible testimonies of people whose lives have been well and truly changed for the calling of God. In this episode, Nigel Watts sits down with Craig Mackay, a former police officer and director of the Refuel Conference, to discuss how the views of his day-to-day responsibilities of his job changed when he found faith and seeing how despite the differences of denominations, Refuel has provided great Christian unity in Scotland. The views expressed by the individual in this podcast may not reflect that of Precept Ministries UK. We hope this podcast inspires you in your daily walk and would love it if you could leave a review or rating so that we can encourage more people to the good news of the gospel. Now, without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, welcome to the Bible and Me podcast. Um, and uh, I am delighted to welcome Craig Mackay here uh, with us today. Craig, thank you so much for, for joining us. My pleasure. Um, Craig is the regional director for Scotland for the Filling Station Trust. Uh, filling stations growing across the UK at the moment. He's an architectural consultant. Uh, he is married to Denise and has three children. Uh, he loves hunting. He loves shooting. And uh, he is a worship leader. And I have met Craig uh, as a result of attending the uh, filling station uh, refuel conference in Scotland um, in July 2017. And it's just been a pleasure to get to meet you, Craig, mm, me too. and to see your passion. And uh, what a great conference we've had this week. Thank you. Pleasure. So, um, Craig, how, how did you come to faith? Uh, did, I mean, did mm. you grow up in a Christian house? Um, how, how, how did that... How did that happen for you? Yeah, I suppose I, I did grow up in a Christian house. My mother was a born-again Christian, um, but I wouldn't have described it as a Christian house. We weren't forced to go to, to Sunday school or church or anything like that. In fact, uh, you know, um, uh, please forgive me, we actually, um, I think we gave my mother a somewhat hard time for most of our life as teenage. We had two teenage boys in the house and a teenage girl, and my mother's choice of music, you know, how our God reigns blasting on our tape recorder every day. We tend to, uh, we weren't very, very forgiving of that all our life. And I suppose I might go on later to tell you why her example and her grace was maybe a great uh, part of my, my walk. So, yeah, so it wasn't a Christian house in that normal sense of the word, but certainly um, I can now recognise it to be so in mm-hmm. hindsight. Moving on from that, yeah, you know, that probably gave me an inherent belief in a creator. You know, I wouldn't admit it, but I'd often find myself defending that um, whether that was just to be different amongst my peers, I'm not quite sure. But I do remember choosing to defend the, the option and possibility of a creator. I wasn't happy with simply there can be nothing. Mm. So that was it, really, until adulthood. I met my uh, darling wife, Denise, who was a church goer. She mimed in the church choir, which I'm really upset about because I fell in love with her because she was beautiful and I thought she could sing. But now I know she's tone deaf. She was miming. She was on the choir for the looks. So that was upsetting. Um, but we, 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 you know, we fell in love deeply, very, very quickly, within a very short space of time. And she was a quite a willing church goer. And I found, oddly, that I was the one that was more fervently wishing to pursue God than she. She was a church goer, I wasn't, but I had an inherent um, seeking in my heart to do more than just be a church goer. So the two of us complemented each other very well. Mm-hmm. She kept me going to church, and I kept her maybe put on the track of maybe becoming a little more serious than just being a church goer. So that was us. We um, got married, went down to the city of Edinburgh, lived there for a while, dibbled around church every now and then, just you know, ticking those boxes. Came back up and went to a fellowship which was really, had a very good teacher in it. 
and uh, just a small fellowship. One of those fellowships where you sit up the chairs yourself in the morning, that kind of thing, to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the teachers were so good. And one morning I remember waking up and uh, as a believer, you know, looking for more, I woke up one morning and I got it. And uh, for me, it was a Holy Spirit moment where when I realised that that breath of God was in me, that there was a there was a spring in my step that morning. It wasn't spring, but it felt like spring. And I remember running down to the minister that night saying, I've got it. I believe now, but now I see. It was just an amazing moment. And I feel such a prat when I think about it. Because must, I was like a child, you know. And it was one of those realisations that, oh, that's it. You know, head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. Mm. So, And that was around 96. Baptised in 97. In the sea, off the beach at Lossiemouth, in a in tidal surf. Yeah. Well, so, that yeah. sounds cold. Yeah, yeah it was. Well, I thought it was a Holy Spirit that hit me, but it was actually a six-foot <laughs> wave. Um, but there's an awesome experience. And then from that moment, uh, it's been an exponential um, um, rise in activity and just pursuit of what he has asked me to do in my life mm. since that time. That was 97. Mm. Um, wonderful, wonderful. You... Um, you left school, um, you didn't go to university, um, and then you uh, worked in um, as an architect or, or yeah. in an architectural... Great days, and again, I would, I would look at that as, in hindsight as a real divine help from the Lord. He knew my path, um, and, you know, got my hires, was going to go to university. In those days, your head teacher knew your every hair in your head, almost as much as God did, you know, you're in a small town. He knew what I wanted to do, a uh, small town. He told me, Craig, um, by the way, you've got your exams. I, I've got a friend down the road who runs the architect's office. Yeah, he's got a job for you, on you go. And isn't that lovely? That's the way it was, was in those days. So off I trot, straight from school, straight into architect's office, learning the craft, loving it, earning money, enjoying being a, a young adult, and just didn't get around to going to university. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just loved it. And I do think back to that. That was just lovely. That's yeah. the way it should have been. And how long, how long did oh, you Oh, three or four years there. Uh, not enough to become truly proficient, but I kept going because... Um, in that time, Nigel, everyone left small towns to go to offshore or the police. And I was inspired to catch up because all my friends had lovely cars, you know, in the offshore industry and, in the, and serving the police force. So I thought, I must do this as well. So I left the architect's office and joined the police, Grampian Police at the time. Oh, did so, you? Yes, just for the money. <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it, so I have to say, you know. I, so you I went get, through, yeah. you had to go through basic training? Basic, yeah, all, basic training, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I was a quite professional architectural technician at the time. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I joined the police, I loved it. I adored it. What a privilege it was. It really was an incredible career. But I still did um, a bit of tent making in terms of my architectural practice. I kept it going during, during my time in the police. Okay. And again, Nigel, I'd look upon that as being quite divine because that was to serve a purpose later on, you know, mm. in hindsight, doing, serving, a, taking a choice to go into a different career, mm. keeping alive the past one, juggling the both uh, quite enjoyably. But there was to be a purpose in that later on, which uh, I, 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 you're more than likely to draw out of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 12 years in the police force, really? and I loved every minute of it. Did you? Was that, was that tough? Oh, incredibly tough, but um, fun, great fun for a young man. And... Um, you know, I felt it was a privilege to be exposed to people's lives in that way. You know, there are jobs, maybe in your previous job as a pilot, Nigel, mm-hmm. there's things you get to see that no one else gets to see. And mm-hmm. I found every day a privilege and I engaged with it in that way. Still a believer, but not a Christian, but certainly that was part of my walk. You know, mm-hmm. learning compassion, seeing how other people live, mm-hmm. developing empathy mm-hmm. and sympathy. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. So you were in the police for 11 years, you said, over 12 years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why did you leave the police if you're enjoying it so yeah. much? Yeah, well, Denise was my wife. She followed me in as well. She was a copper as well. Okay. Yeah, so we were both uh, police officers. And that was tough. Um, I loved it. She didn't. She found it a tough industry. It is tough for, 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 for a young lady like that who has sensitivities. Mm. And um, we had three children. Well, two children at the time. Mm. Um, so we found it tough. I was working with the CID at the time with a very long-winded, you know, several-year inquiry. 
Um, and there was a lot of overtime, children being dropped off at different childminders, it was just becoming quite chaotic. Yeah. And again, I will look on hindsight and say the Lord called me out. Everyone said I was mad, my mm. superior said, what are you doing? Mm. But I felt this call to do something incredibly di- crazy. I mean, pensions, right? Actually, you don't you don't chuck a pension away in modern life, do you? Mm. But I did, and I was told by everyone, you're Craig, you're mad, but I felt called to do so. We did a very terrible thing. We put a fleece out, Nigel, and not very, not very biblically uh, appropriate. If you read the principles of fleece laying, it shows such great doubt. <laughs> uh, I would recommend anyone to go and look at that and think very carefully before they put a fleece out because we should have more faith in that. But I did, and it was answered incredibly. And I left the police force to go into architecture again. Um, and it was supposed to be a sideline. It was supposed to be a small thing. Denise would stay in the police, but it just took off, Nigel. It just took off exponentially. It was just a miracle. The phone never stopped. She had to leave her job very quickly after to help me. So it didn't quite go to plan. <laughs> <laughs> so t- just um, so in the police, were yeah. you working in the same place? In yeah. The, I you, so, yeah. Oh, so you were going to work together? Yeah, in the same county. Same mm. county. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But then, um, having left, mm. she had to leave the police and come and work with you in the business. Only because, f- for reasons I will give total credit to our father, it just took off. Um, didn't know the reasons for that then, but yeah. She had to leave the police too. So we both now work in the architectural business, which I will say allows us to do kingdom things, which is... I do look back in the last 20 years and think, Lord, you are so amazing. Mm. Um, I could have easily stayed in any of those areas and I know I wouldn't have received the blessing and the incredible exciting life that we have now following kingdom stuff. Mm. So so your, your walk um, to faith, mm. when would you say you... At what stage were you in the police or having left the police yeah. that you really submitted your life to the Lord? Yeah, in the police. 97, so I'd be probably about three quarters of the way through my career. Okay. I left in 2001, so 97 was my baptism. That puts it into perspective. Okay. So believer up to baptism, disciple after baptism. So mm. it's 97 to 2001. So mm. it's four or five years of, mm. you can see probably, if, if you look at that closer, that's a real you know, heightening and quickening of my sensitivities as a, as a, as a police officer, stroke Christian. Mm. And, and obviously I'm feeling the call on my life through the power of the Holy Spirit, being yeah. um, trustworthy of what I'm hearing, seeing, thinking, dreaming, you know? And not just hearing, think, thinking, dreaming, they, they mean something, so... Was having become a Christian, did that affect the way that you were as a policeman, do you think? I would say so. I mean, my, I was always the same. I'm pretty steady, you know, treat people as you treat, uh, wish to be treated. But mm. certainly some of the things we were required to do, uh, I found difficult. And I don't mean that's in a sinister way, but, you know. Um, to be a good copper, you've got to really be, you've got to work hard. And I enjoy being a good copper, Nigel. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes to be a good copper, you've got to, you know, you've got to, you know, stretch yourself as much as you possibly can to get the results that you need to get and you should be getting because you're dealing with some very difficult things. Mm. Uh, um, and, and you know, I enjoy doing that, but it becomes increasingly difficult sometimes when you're um, chasing the pressures of, of what faces you as a police officer. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, exam- you know give an example, mm. a mere example, here's, here's an example for you. In, in law, you write your notes at the time. Here's an example for you. I'm happy to have this recorded. You, you're supposed to write your notes at the time of an incident. Can you imagine if you're rolling about on the floor with someone? How do you write your notes as a copper? You know, And these are things that face all coppers nowadays. And they've got technology to help them. They've got video cameras and things. Mm. So you know, you've know, you got to be able to justify your actions at every stage. Mm-hmm. And you've got to remember what you did and who said what. And that's okay as, a, as an officer going through his career. But as you become... Uh, more aware of the Holy Spirit and your and your need to be honourable and absolutely truthful, you know you're, you question your own recollection when you're writing your notes. An hour later, he said what? Who said what? And I find that hard actually, and it's not wrong. Mm. You've got to do it, mm. but I find that hard too. And it was, a, it was a Holy Spirit in me saying, yeah. "Craig, this is difficult." You know, um, 
So I could have gone on for another 20 years like that quite easily, doing a great job and being a good copper. Mm. Uh, I could have consolidated that. But this is an example how in that last four years there was a quickening of, of, of something happening. There was a career change to come. Mm. And I loved it. I didn't want to leave. Seriously. Mm. And I'd probably go back now. Mm. <laughs> it's interesting um, how the Lord, um, I describe it as loosening roots. Mm-hmm. So, so you may be in a particular career mm-hmm. and everything's going fine, but then all of a sudden circumstances change or, or mm. the Lord you know, um, directs you in a particular way and all of a sudden your passion and heart for that particular career mm-hmm. starts to, mm-hmm. you know, you question it, you're less, maybe you're less committed. Mm-hmm. And it's loosening the roots and yeah, preparing. Definitely, definitely loosening the roots. I wasn't let, let, less passionate, but I think that it was the consolidating, you know, the need for absolute, absolute truth when you're dealing with incidents and accidents and situations where you have to recollect truth. Does that make sense? You know, mm. you know that, and that's an example I gave you. And little things, it's little things like that. So where before you may, it may not have well, worried right. or bothered and, you. And no one should worry about that. That's life. You know, you know, in a, any career you've got to, in any career you've got to make judgments and take a view of things mm. uh, to get the, what your job done. And I just found that one example of how I was getting quickened. Whether that was a real cause for me departing or not, it was just something that, okay, there's a change coming here. Yeah. Um, and I liked that, actually. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. You are now involved um, with the Filling Station Trust. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get involved with uh, the Filling Station? And... Um, what has happened since you got involved? Oh, it's been incredible. The filling station is a great model. Um, I got involved because we, as a bunch of church goers, were keen to find a way to express ourselves um, in, a, in, in an additional way, not a better way, an additional way, <laughs> to our normal church life. And uh, it was very hard to do that in the north of Scotland because there were various special additional church expressions, shall we say. So um, <clears throat> by complete chance... We came across a chap called Richard Fothergill uh, at a meeting, and he explained what had happened down in southern England, where these rural areas had experienced great renewal by small gatherings of people who loved to express their love for God in additional ways. Mm. And uh, it's called the filling station. And we were, I think, we were the second or maybe the first to start in Scotland, and it just took off. It captured our imaginations. Uh, it allowed us to express ourselves creatively in a way that, that perhaps local church did not allow us to do. As a group, there's many of us. And it allowed us to express worship in a way that um, we perhaps didn't get to do uh, in that way. So, And it just took off. We do have monthly meetings with hundreds of people coming from all over the northeast, from churches from every denomination. And we loved it and blessing them. And they were going back to the local church to bless their local church. And to me, that was just pure joy. And um, was there any sort of antagonism from the churches? You read me well there. <laughs> um, yeah, in the northeast of Scotland, we have a certain degree of suspicion to additional things. Mm-hmm. And I pray that will change. And maybe mm-hmm. we can chat about that today. Um, but yes, they're not very welcoming of things um, that come into a locality that... Uh, or maybe born elsewhere. Mm. And I must say, you know, we bless, we support, we mm. love and we pray for local church. I love local church, but in this part of Scotland, there's a great suspicion of new things like that. Mm. Uh, maybe not so much down in England. So no, it wasn't well received. And it still isn't well received in Scotland so far mm-hmm. uh, throughout the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a long way to go before leaders really see the fruit mm-hmm. that filling stations can bring yep. local church in, in, in encouraging congregations and, and bring them into a place of joy and, and, and fullness yes. so that they go back into or go back to local churches and, and, and bless the local church. And that's the aim. And we see it happen all, all the time. Yes. People are being 
so encouraged, and they go back to the local church mm. as encouragers. Because mm. filling station is not a church. It's, it's not a church. It's not exactly. a denomination. And people it's think it's a church. That's right. People do think it's a church so often. Yeah. And we have to very, go to great lengths to explain it's not a new church. Yeah. It's to build up the church mm. and to support the church. Mm. But it is a completely different expression, Nigel. It it's, 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 you know, overtly spiritual. In which and, and it does and it does have a, a model which requires top quality word you know the teaching is you know we, 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 we do demand great teaching from our teachers and we have a list of speakers who are tried and tested mm-hmm. and you know again authentic worship very important that and that's the hardest thing we're finding in Scotland to get authentic very competent worship leaders to lead um, worship lead speakers and, mm-hmm. and launch speakers into the word mm-hmm. we've got I think North and South the board have got great teachers yeah Mm-hmm. We're, we're decades behind having that same list or, or pool of, of worship leaders that can do that. Because mm-hmm. the word and worship, they, sh- they should be Absolutely. so intertwined. Yeah. And we're not there yet. No. So, and, and filling season model is very much that way. And then leading into ministry, which is even more. And you need to worship teams for that. Yes. Scotland's not used to this time for ministry where God can do incredible things. Yeah. So that's the model. And it works a treat. It really does. People yeah. love it. That is wonderful. And how long? How long has this? How long have you been yeah, involved with it? Four years now as a director. Maybe more than that. Uh, five years as, as a filling station okay. team ourselves. Yeah. And there are other filling stations. Yep. There's ten oh. in Scotland. Oh, there's eighty in the UK, and there's about another ten, twelve around the world. South Africa, France, America, Canada, mm. Dubai. I think there's one there too. And mm. uh, Switzerland. So oh, yeah, wonderful. Four and a half thousand, five thousand people meet monthly really? in this way. It's awesome. I mm. love it. Fantastic. Um, you are the um, director for, I think that's the right title, for mm. this conference, Refuel. Um, how did the uh, vision for Refuel start? Um, and what have you seen God do as you've set out on this amazing journey? Because, of course, this is a new venture in yeah. Scotland. Uh, it's the first time that this conference has happened enormous amount of organization in terms of infrastructure and speakers and youth work kids work etc i mean it's a huge work that has been going on mm-hmm. how did that start and what have you seen god do i think looking back it started because many years ago people felt the possibility that event of this nature would happen in the north of scotland we have we have always, uh, person on a personal level and with maybe wider corporate friends, always travelled to meet with others. We love unity. We love meeting with other denominations. We've always done that for decades. So you know you've got them down south. We've used to have one in Scotland called Clan. So we've always desired to go on a summer holiday and just meet with others and worship and just just you know soak yourself in that lovely beautiful Christian bubble. Which is there's nothing no, no harm in that. It's a good thing. But we always said to ourselves, you know, we thought there's a, there's going to be a time when it's going to come north, or rather there's going to be a time when it's going to come north never thinking for a second we'd be involved in it ourselves. You just thought maybe one day something's going to happen or something, something like that will come north. And that's decades now, John. So the only event of this nature, a clan, came to an end last year. Uh, we were all very disappointed. And that was it. That was it. There was no thought of doing anything, really. And, and for those yeah. that may not know, just yeah. tell a, a little bit about clan. Clan is, I mean, most of your listeners would understand what that looks like. It's a spring harvest, uh, focus, uh, new wines, that kind of thing. On a very small scale, but it's all we had. Um, so that came to an end after about 20 years and people thought well who's going to do something and people approached myself uh, as, an, as someone who was involved in a, in a network, the financial network thinking it might be able to do something now it's not part of our core um, role um, but our very brave trustees said we'll go and explore it and we went out to the nation um, with no email database whatsoever we went out and asked who would like this 
And within six weeks, 400 people came back and said they would like this. So that was enough of a mandate for me to go back to my trustees and say, Look, Scotland wants something, can we help? There was a void, no one else was helping, and um, we prayed about it and we saw it was good. It was a good principle, Scotland needs unity, it needs one of these things. So on every practical level and spiritual level, it was agreed it's a good thing, but will it work? <laughs> so we had from November to now to see if we can pull this together. And um, so myself as the Scottish director and several other incredibly God-given volunteers that came out of the woodwork of nowhere, took over our house um, and set up an office and set to it. And lo and behold, after eight months, we now have seven to 700 to 1,000 people here enjoying um, a summer in the re reasonable, relative sunshine um, in a way that we just imagined it would. Um, so that's how it came about. And in terms of, because you've got some wonderful speakers here and some worship leaders here. I don't know how that came about, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> that is just the most amazing miracle, looking at how that came about. We put some feelers out, put some questions out, and the right mix of people came back, and it's been awesome. You know, Brian Jorkson from Canada, worship leader, um, and all the other um, characters have been absolutely just uh, divinely chosen for the season, for, for this part of Scotland. And I think you'd agree, having heard them, mm. the balance has been perfect mm. and we'll, we are, we're going to see breakthrough from it. Mm. What is your vision for Refuel in the months well, and maybe even years ahead? I think Refuel is a means to an end. It's, not, it's, it's renewal, it's revival. It's revival. It, uh, it's unity and revival actually and I'd go back and say I'd correct that unity first. Mm -hmm. um, refuel is Why, a, why is, is that a, so important to you? Well it commands a blessing for us. For, for start, I mean, okay. these yeah. are these are very you know words that are abandoned a bit very quickly. Good mm. biblical, solid uh, yeah, promises. Yeah. Unity commands a blessing. Yeah, yeah. And yes. Scotland has got a rich heritage of, of, of faith. It's got wonderfully saved people. It's a crap. It's an amazing country, but but potentially entrenched in its past, mm. like we have heard this week, and unable to get past it. I feel, and I'm not qualified to just to comment totally from north or south, north or south of Scotland, but I have been around a bit. Mm. And my work throughout Scotland has the same difficulties. It's, we just don't do it that way. We just don't do it that way. You know, we just don't do it that way, you know? Mm. And I think we're up against that. And we're up against, you know, just wonderful denominations who don't quite get on together as much as they should. England mm. get on, seem to get on a lot better than Scotland, you know? Uh, we seem to split an awful lot. <laughs> um, and I think, let's see that come to an end, Nigel. I think it's possible. We need to see um, unity, true unity of the believer. Yeah. And I think the leaderships and the denominations will come together even more so because of that. So refuel in what you see here can be a vehicle until some other vehicle comes along. It's the only vehicle I can see that can bring all denominations together in one place to love each other, worship together, learn together, stretch together. And for me, I can see no other way we're going to see unity in Scotland of that nature. And that might sound very arrogant and grand, but I cannot think unless there is a mighty move of God, mm. which I pray for every day, mm. there's nothing that I can see can crack the glass ceiling of unity in Scotland than gathering in this way. Mm. So it's not, refuel is not my, I mean, my job as a filling station director is to look after my filling stations, mm. but he's given us this opportunity to do something else and I can see that that is its purpose. And it's apart from incredible fun, by the way. <laughs> and and what, have you, what have you picked up this week in terms of um, yeah. unity and, and have you have you got people from different um, church contexts and backgrounds coming? Mm -hmm. What are some of the conversations you've had about about that this yeah week. the conversation the, the people that are here are saying just what I'm saying 
that they want to see it too. And that's not a surprise, by the way. The people, the congregations, the laity of Scotland want what we want. Uh, the, the blockage is elsewhere in Scotland. And it might be true elsewhere in the world, quite mm. frankly. This, this, is not an old, this is not a new problem. Mm. But you'll find when you get people together, they, all, they are of one mind from all denominational backgrounds. So they all want unity. They all want to, to present a greater witness to the nation of a church that is united and less navel-gazing and more outward-gazing. And you heard the teaching this week of imagine what it would look like if people who generally have no real reason to get, get along, get along. What a great witness that is when the, when the non-believing people of this nation see factions and people uh, and, and sectors of society who clearly have no reason to get along when they see them getting along, they'll know that God is there. Mm. What a witness that would be. Mm. And that is my, our heart to, to, for that to happen. We don't want people to change their minds. Everyone must have their individuality. But we want to see that true demonstrated unity in Scotland of the mm. believer. And I think it's possible. Yeah. And the word talks about, you know, other people will know that you are followers of Christ Absolutely. through the love that you have so for one simple, another. Yeah. And as you say so often, uh, that's not the case. Um, it is. And I'm yeah. not, I don't want to diss. I mean, things are great. I mean, you know, God is doing amazing things in, in, in the country. But we all know we have free will. And I think we'd all agree. And no matter anywhere, anywhere in the world, there, there are these difficulties. Mm. But I have this wonderful small country that I live in. And I've been given an opportunity to do something on a scale that might have an impact. And we're running at it, hoping that we can do that. Mm -hmm. So the people here are saying that that's what they want. That what they're demonstrating that that is happening. They are getting, they're receiving wisdom and revelation about how they can change in their own locality. I'm confident they're going to bring that back to their congregations. And we are going to start just infusing that heart of accommodation, love and trust and unity in, throughout the nation. And if we get more delegates, that'll happen on a, on a, on a multiplied scale, but, but quite naturally. Yeah. It's very simple, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it is. It, it, just, it just it feels quite almost far too simple to state that's the aims of refuel, but it is. And of course, and amongst all that, you get great worship, great fun, great family time, great holiday, great camping, great sunshine, and all other things that come with it. Mm. You know, and, and let's not forget what happens when we meet this way. God does amazing things. Yeah. So you ask me my hope. God's got many hopes for what happens here. Mm. So I think. That it's a means to an end in terms of unity, but you know, so much other things happen. People were healed, there's been salvations. I could go on. <laughs> so to, to narrow it down to one thing, uh, my first reaction is, is my sincere reaction. But to go on, there's so much more happening here that, than, than just that. Yeah, wonderful. And I think, I think um, to come away for a week here, it's about building relationships as well. Because oh, yeah, you can have, absolutely. oh, well, you're from that denomination, oh, mm. I don't, but actually once you start to get to know people and you have time to talk mm. to them and... Uh, uh, that's when trust comes and unity can come mm. because you actually know the people mm. that you're dealing with. Yeah. yeah, very much. And that's again, and we could add that more so. There's so much other things are going on that are equally as blessing and equally as, posit equally yeah. as positive. Yeah. Now I want to uh, move on and just ask you about your um, relationship, as it were, with the Bible mm. and. Um, you know, um, what is the place of the of the word in, in your own life? Um, and, uh, yeah, so how would you describe that? Yeah, you might find this quite interesting as a scholar, Nigel, although you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take that no, there. <laughs> you know, uh, the Bible for me um, is, is many, many faceted, um, other than being the, you know, God-breathed word of, you know, of God, um, it's part of our life. I mean, on a very, at the very, at one end of the scale, it's a thing that surrounds our house. You know, if you were to ask, what's a Bible to me? It's, it's all over my house. It's everywhere. You know, mm. you'll find a Bible in every corner. If you, if you'd ask me if I've read it cover to cover, yes, several times. If you'd ask me, can I remember parts of it? Some. Um, if you'd ask me, do I know it well? I'd say no. 
So it, for me, the Bible is a huge part of my life. It is what it is said to be. Uh, nothing less and nothing more. And um, I find it on a personal level and a non-intellectual non, non level, I find it just the most fascinating collection of miracles. Prophet, the prophetic in it, I find stunning. You know, if, if you were to ask me why I find it, un, you know, why I find it so believable and so so acceptable, it's the prophetic, the way that the, what was told from the start to the end. It's the, it's the con continual um, um, coming to coming to fruition of the various things that were said all the way through. Mm. Um, almost just stopping short of being an absolute um, absolute case for the case for the prosecution. You know, I think he, as an ex police officer, we look at evidence. I want evidence. <laughs> And, you know, we have beyond all reasonable doubt, yeah? I like the fact that it just comes short of beyond all reasonable doubt because mm -hmm. that lets me feel a bit rest with faith. Mm -hmm. But the pictures in it, the stories in it, the prophetic in it, the way it's, it's just, it's the genius. It's the best story ever told. Mm -hmm. So for me, when you ask me why is the Bible important, it's very multifaceted. It's a great thing of great comfort. It's a thing of great power. It's awesome. How could anyone ever write such a thing? It's mm -hmm. just, I don't get why people don't understand how powerful and amazing it is. I suppose they do because it is most best it's the best selling book of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. but for me it's multifaceted in that yeah, sense. Absolutely. I mean you talk about the prophetic there, you know, in the yeah. Old Testament I think there's something like three hundred and thirty <laughs> uh, specific mm. prophecies mm. about the coming of the Messiah. <laughs> and some amazing statistic mm. that, I love um, it. I love it. For even something like for yeah. eight or ten of yeah. those three hundred and thirty to mm. come to fruition chance of those happening Indeed. one to the power of 17 or something absolutely let alone the other you know 280 yeah and as you say it's, it, it is remarkable i think um, you think you've kind of par paraphrased my love of it better than i have because if i was to become someone who worked with the bible as a tool mm. i'd become an apologetic you know i don't i, I mean i don't read it i don't read it academically yeah. i read it for comfort i read mm. it for guidance i read it for blessed assurance and mm. um, i do tend to pray more than i read you know, and I hear more than I read. But if I was to delve, if I, if I was to devote my life to the reading of the Bible, it'd be for what you've just suggested. I love the apologetic side of it, you know, the statistics, all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and well, one day I might. So for the moment, it's a thing of great comfort. So I'm not, I'm not a scholar. Yeah. You wouldn't ask, I can't give you a million Bible verses repeated verbatim, but I hope that doesn't dismiss my love for it and my respect for it. And yeah. that's a huge part of my life. I think, I think, um, I think the Bible, as you say, is, is, it's, it's different things mm, to different absolutely. people, but it, and it meets us at different points in our life, mm. doesn't it? Absolutely, and I probably so, will, I probably will delve, delve into it deeper in, in, in later life. Yeah, somebody said, you know, the Bible's great for those that want to go paddling in the shallows, but it's mm. also great for people who want to go deep sea yeah, diving. Without, exactly, you know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's wonderful. Do you have a, um, a favourite book in the, in the Bible, or maybe a favourite no, character? I don't have a favourite character, but I have to say, I love, I love stories of the characters that were, where they're flawed. <laughs> you know, the great disciples of men of God, where they really have been demonstrated to be just flawed individuals. That gives us all great solace and comfort, doesn't it? Mm. Time uh, is on our hands in that sense, mm. and I can look back and see my folly. And look at the Bible and see the folly of others, yeah, knowing, that, knowing that we're forgiven. There's a path and a plan and a purpose for us, and every day is new. And uh, uh, and if I if I make a mess of refuel, Nigel, uh, which I pray I don't, um, he will have other opportunities for me to get it right because yeah. he's, he's a continual God of grace. He will always give you further opportunities to do it, and that's mm -hmm. time and time um, explained and, and demonstrated in, yeah. in the Bible with our favourite characters. Yeah, I think uh, you know. 
would we have chosen the 12 disciples? No. And I think there's a great thing when I was doing this this, this project um, in, in the months coming up to it, Nigel. It's this, the, many, the amount of times I looked at the disciples and thought, I wonder how many times they said, what am I doing? And I, you know what? We, your listeners and other, we have to, that's the way it was. It wasn't just, oh, we're off to follow Jesus. This is, every day is wonderful. I'm sure, I'm sure they thought, what on earth am I doing? I've given up everything. I'm falling. And then he died. What was that like? You know, we tend to forget these stories, don't we? Do you think we do? Mm. When we read these stories, do we really forget the reality of it all? And when I read the Bible, that's what I read it like. Like what's happening now. Mm. And um, so there's been a lot of that thinking this last few months. Um, which is why it's such a great book, mm. you know, because these characters have been proven, you know, that, that, that he knows the end from the beginning. And I find great comfort in that. Yeah. Well, I have to say, um, I am in great admiration of your faith. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, to put on to put on this conferences you have has been has been amazing in, in a relatively short space mm. of time. I think there've been um, certainly the conversations I've had here with yeah. people have been very, um, very encouraging. I think um, wonderful. The the teaching has been excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worship has been excellent, and I can only sense in my own spirit that this is going to grow, and um, that the. You know, year on year, there'll be more and more people coming to be blessed by what you're doing. So, um, you remind me of uh, a Bible character, (laughs) Uh, and that is the Bible character of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah was called by God to go and rebuild (laughs) the walls of Jerusalem, and he took a huge step of faith. Um, He's he. Um, his brothers came from Jerusalem to where he was as a cupbearer to the king, and he just asked a simple question. He said, "How is how are my brothers, mm-hmm. and how is the city of Jerusalem?" And when he heard the state of his brothers and the state of the city, it it broke his heart. Mm-hmm. It broke his heart, and he spent a lot of time praying and seeking the Lord. And then um, we know from Nehemiah chapter two that he's in front of the king. And he wasn't to know that day, which was four months later, that the king looked at his face and saw a sadness on his face and said, why are you sad? Mm-hmm. And that was the moment that he was able to explain to the king why he was sad. Mm-hmm. And God opened the door for, for him to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Um, that could end up being my favourite character, although we didn't so, have more. Well, no, I say it because um, he was... He was uh, if I was asked the question, who's one of your favourite characters, I would say Nehemiah, because he was he was a courageous leader. Um, he knew what God had asked him to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as he got back into the land, um, there was opposition. Mm-hmm. There were people that, that came mm-hmm. up against mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And that wasn't a one-time opposition. That opposition mm-hmm. continued. Mm-hmm. But he held the line because he knew what God had called him to do. Amen. I'll have and that. he mm-hmm. rebuilt the walls in 52 days mm-hmm. against Mm-hmm. Great opposition, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, I think you would be encouraged. I to, well. uh, I maybe I could way. even recommend one of our precept you, studies on Nehemiah. You sold that well. Um, Nehemiah is. <laughs> and, uh, I think I think you would be encouraged yeah. because um, there's some just some wonderful mm-hmm. lessons on leadership mm-hmm. and um, dealing mm-hmm. with there was division within mm-hmm. the, the community which he had to deal with. It's and not new. Out. It's not new, is it? Uh, it's <laughs> not new. It's been there. Uh, so, so I, I want to thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. And I really do pray that God uses your uh, vision and your gifts to build on what's happened this week 
and that there would be multitudes of people in the years ahead that will come to know the Lord as a result of you stepping out in faith. I pray so. So thank you so, so much. Thank you very much, Nigel. Bless you. You've been listening to the Bible and Me podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave a rating or review. If you want to find out more about Precept Ministries UK, visit www.precept.org.uk. Thank you.